0: Thanks for tuning in, guys. You're listening to Ace Comicals. I'm Greg Driver. I'm joined by Rahul Johnny and Leon Everett. Let's go! Hey, guys. Welcome to Ace Comicals episode number 63. And we have a full house again uh so it's me greg joined by ray and leon this evening evening guys hey it won't be evening when you're listening to this chances are it'll probably be like 7am on your way to work or something like that but we can pretend <laughs> um so uh how has everybody been since last time what have we been up to in the past two weeks
1: well we haven't seen rahul in the moon so yeah i think ray should what have you been first. up
0: to
2: yeah. yeah, I'm sorry I've had, like, life stuff get in the way, but I'm back, I'm back, and I'm ready to talk about some comics, I think. <laughs> um... How have you guys been? I, uh, like, you guys had your recording, uh, the last one, which was really interesting, I love listening to you guys when I don't have to be involved in it, it feels a lot more, it's a lot nicer hearing your guys' voices when I don't have to engage with them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was meant as a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> this is what
1: he was like on holiday as well yeah he just asked me to send him voice clips through whatsapp instead of speaking to him directly
0: <laughs> the opposite ends of the couch yeah. <laughs> so yeah i mean i have i mean it's just been like more castlevania for me i'm on the uh the inverted castle now the upside down castle i saved Are you Rick... talking sorry go ahead i'm talking about symphony of the night yeah Okay, yeah, because it got re-released recently, right? Yeah, on the uh, PS4, you got packaged with Rondo of Blood and re-released as a double set of two nice. games. So, I, I, I'm on the reverse castle, I saved Richter, against Better Judgment. Whoa, whoa, <laughs> whoa. whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I needed that true ending, man, that's the only reason I did it. Save the
1: Richter, save the world, man.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, we're doing the reverse castle now, and... It is hard. It's way harder than I remember it. I think my reactions have slowed since I've, like, in my old age or whatever. Like, my thumbs aren't as nimble as they used to be. But, yeah, it's way more difficult than I remember it being.
1: Also, I think, like, when you're a kid, you're a bit fearless in
2: some things.
0: Yeah. So, like, like...
1: then you've got more patience.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, it's a mixture of being more fearless and, like, just having infinite time
0: and patience to just do it over and over and over again and bash your head against it yeah i ain't got that anymore <laughs> I, I do something i fail realize how far back the last save point is turn it off and then scream into a pillow I, i'm not like i used to <laughs> be Got
1: <laughs> to factor into your game playing time the hour um uh, like recharge you do afterwards putting on yeah. some uh, some screamo
0: exactly yeah get you back the... in the right headspace <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> the hour of i've got to factor in an hour of failure as well like <laughs> this is more like it, it, it's less of oh my god i've got to do it all over again tomorrow. i haven't got time to do it all over again i'm a fucking adult now yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, i'm not gonna get to play again for two weeks <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> uh i mean other than that x-men grand design is back i hope you guys have uh been keeping up with that i've not been keeping up with
2: the schedule for that so what what's actually out now like a new issue or is it a new collection what, what's
0: the deal it's a new issue and it's the third and final which will be like the third and final trade because he was doing six issues in total and this is uh, extinction so this is x-men granite design the first part of extinction and um it's uh it's really really cool and uh i well, we we talk about, like, X-Men Grand Design ad infinitum on here, so, um, or we have done, so I'm not going to, like, bang on about it, but I'm just going to say that it's back and it's awesome, and uh, it's going to be a really cool conclusion to the set, and I cannot wait for the next part of this. Yeah, also, I'll be jumping
1: on that when it's collected.
0: Yeah, also, um, another thing that stealthed its way into my pulls is the fact that there's now an Angel comic running alongside the Buffy comic. <laughs>
1: Does it uh, so interact like the yeah. TV show did?
0: I think, I think they, do. I think they're going to eventually, and yeah, they they kind of do actually, yeah, because there's bits of setup and cross little bit of crossover. Like it told you not to read Angel Zero until you'd read Buffy issue four, for example.
1: That's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, so it kind of like hmm. crosses. over. That actually, there.
1: lines up with the the uh, TV show as well. The original TV show um, Angel leaves Sunnydale at the end of season three and then starts his own show while buffy season four starts
0: yeah it it was really like you know because like no one it just came out of nowhere and i was there in the in the comic shop and um the uh guy behind the counter mail says is like oh um we're getting angel zero in and uh we're just like giving it to people that are already having buffy do you want it and i'm like yeah and then uh, Angel Issue 1 turned up last week and I was like, okay, I guess I'm reading this now. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, there we go. And it's good. I like it. So, very clever, Boom. You have my money. Very clever indeed. Um, Yeah, so that's that's been my two weeks, pretty much. That, that and Narcos. I started watching Narcos on Netflix. How are you yeah.
1: finding that? I've um, not watched
0: it. It's really, really, really good. Uh, I I love that kind of thing. Anyway, like I liked the movie Sicario and stuff. I like that kind of um...
1: cartel.
0: Yeah, I've got I've got like a little bit of a morbid fascination with that stuff. I don't know, like, as in, like, I like um, where orga- where like the, the the point where organized crime and politics cross over. I think is where i get interested like i Hmm. it's it's kind of like i i'm interested to see the interaction with that and and i like i like true stories as like as well i like that this is like kind of based on it's not i mean it's obviously dramatized and it's embellished for the tv and whatever else but a lot of it is truth and they use some real footage like interspersed within the show uh with narcos and everything else and it's it's just like interesting to see how that all works and you know, get a little bit of a, a little bit of a history lesson as well for like the the eighties in Latin America. Mm-hmm. How all that worked and everything else. Uh you know, with like communist revolutionaries and everything. It's all in there. And um Yeah, it's interesting. Uh there's a Netflix documentary I started watching as well that I need to finish about Russian closed cities. Um specifically the closed city formerly known as uh shelabinsk 40 now known as oziosk or oziosk um and yeah it's like these this closed city was built to handle nuclear weapons to build nuclear weapons like a city built up around a factory that made nuclear weapons and you needed like permits to get in and out and it was all monitored by the government and everything and like it's just a real like eye eye opener to the fact that the the, i mean we we all knew places like this existed but like to get a look inside and things like that is something else i guess Hmm. and it's just it's again it's something else that i find quite interesting it's that there's that new um show that i need to start watching as well off the back of this actually yeah, yeah I was going we were to saying, that up. saying just before yeah. the show, weren't we, about Chernobyl? Which because it's it it yeah, wraps really up good. this
1: Tuesday. Well, when this episode goes out, it will have wrapped up. So I'm yeah. just going to watch it all in a in a in a six part binge. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, where would it be? If I, I mean, where has it been aired? Now,
1: TV. If you're in the UK,
0: yeah. So I would because it's
1: uh, a yeah. Sky slash HBO uh, co production
0: i'd have to hit up now tv then and check that out um yeah that's that's been me that's been my two weeks um i don't know about you guys but that's that's been me that's literally it like alternating on my ps4 between netflix and castlevania watch an episode of narcos decide i've got like some strength back and then go back onto castlevania kind of thing it's like that that was, I mean, that I was like my day. I've had a, a
2: very very similar experience to you in the last couple of weeks, because I've yeah. been alternating between Sekiro and, I, mean, I guess not the same for the TV side, but Skins. Like, I've ploughed through two two seasons of Skins on the recommendation of Leona Marvin. And uh, it's it's really good. Like, it's just it's such a cool, um, like, throwback to, to being a teenager. And, it, like, living a life that I never lived, mm. but, like, I get to vicariously do it through these kids who are fucking disgusting for the most part and I like I was talking to I was talking to these guys off off the air about how like some of these house parties are filthy and I would never like like to me it's, it's it's um like unrealistically or like out of this world levels of disgust and apparently that happens apparently they would like kids were doing that all the time having these like quote unquote skins parties I don't want to be a part of it I'm kind of glad that I never lived through that but it's kind of fun to watch them do it so if if you've never got round to watching Skins, I would actually really highly recommend it.
0: Yeah, Sophie was watching it. Um, my girlfriend was watching it before she uh, went through. How many seasons is there? Four? No, I think, think there's like, like seven. seven now. Oh, I don't know. She, I, I remember her watching season four, um, but she she was watching Skins and enjoying it, and I think she had watched it before. But yeah, mm. I, I mean, I I've. I've actually tried to get into Skins, and I couldn't really fully get into it, and I don't know why, but yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think I, I'm, I have vague memories of giving it a go when it was airing. Like, I remember being like a late teenager and it being on Channel 4, and like being attracted to the adverts and stuff, but like I didn't really have the space to watch that much TV, especially in a row, um, back in those days. And I, I guess I just bounced off it, and I wasn't really connected to the characters at that point. But, like, in hindsight, like looking back on it now and seeing it from a different point of view, and p- perhaps it was like I could imagine being I don't remember this, but I could picture myself being like 16 to 18 years old and being a little bit jealous of the lifestyle they live or like the freedom and like the carefreeness and like all the drugs and partying and stuff and like having a weird level of like jealousy but not really wanting that either mm. and like looking back on it it's kind of it is just fun to to i don't know see these characters and they're all really likable characters as well i mean some of them are like are really frustratingly teenagerish. like i remember i was texting leona Mars saying just do your fucking homework like it's not that hard but then that's me talking as a 33 year old man telling a 16 year old to 17 year old kid what to do with his life it's like it's yeah it's just fun to watch it's really good writing and really good really good acting and like you really feel for these people so yeah i'm not sure maybe give it another go now see if you'd like it yeah
0: i, I should probably try it again
1: yeah cause I, I would add um one thing that i like because i watched the show as it aired um like 11 years ago or so and one one of the things that i really um liked about it is that um the kids and the adults are humanized quite well So Mm. while it was famous for like all the skins parties and spaghetti on the wall and (laughs) drugs and sex and everything, it was actually quite, um, I know there was a lot of heart in that show and, um, it, it didn't feel like, um, 50 year olds writing for teens. And part of that is because, especially during the second season onwards, uh, there were actual teens in the writer's room as well, um. One of those where like uh daniel Kaluuya, uh Kaluuya of uh now get out uh fame uh he was he was a writer on a couple episodes back then um but like um yeah, I think it's really good at humanizing these characters and they and they feel authentic and the world they inhabit there is a bit of like a heightened reality to the show mm-hmm. um where like sometimes it's almost magical realism but um like for the most part it's like there's a lot of joy and fun in amongst all the all the all the filth uh which i uh like gelled with um pretty well so yeah i I'd, I'd definitely recommend it
2: yeah that magical realism aspect like that's something i wasn't expecting from this show and it's like it it's it's clever because the adverts do a really good job of not selling that point but if you go back and watch them they kind of it's still kind of in there like it's not really hiding it but you kind of ignore it because you think it's like heightened sense of reality just because that's how adverts operate sometimes but yeah i really like that it blurs the line between this sort of fantasy world and i don't know maybe i'm reading too much into it but like how it it plays with your perspective of time like being a kid when you're in college and like
0: just how how fleeting everything can feel um mm. yeah i i super dig it yeah with that i guess we better move on to the comics haven't we yeah let's do it Yeah, should we do it? Let's do it. Okay, so the first one on the list is something that uh, we were given an advanced preview of by Vault Comics. This is called She Said Destroy, and this is She Said Destroy number one. Now, this went on sale on the 29th of May, but we had an advanced preview of it, and we're going to review it for today's show. So, over millenniums, Bridget, goddess of the sun, has conquered and converted the entire solar system into worshipping her and her alone, save one space colony. The Witches of Fay are the last believers of the Morrigan, goddess of death, Bridge's sister and the only god left, uh, the only other god left. As Bridge's forces rep- uh, prepare for one final battle, the Morrigan prepares to do what she does best, destroy. The cover itself for this comic, we've got the Morrigan, the goddess of death, and uh, she is surrounded by these kind of like flashing co- colors and swirling landscapes, and she's got like this sword that appears to be on fire, and it just it just all looks kind of epic, and like especially with the um, the typeface used in the uh, the logo and everything else, it's got this real kind of like uh, Shira slash Voltron thing going on, which. You get more of later on as well in the book i mean like first impressions from you guys because we all read this didn't we yeah
2: um the artwork is stunning like i i really love the color work in this i like the uh i don't know i i think i use this language a lot but like this kind of pastorally blending of like different color i really enjoyed that about this book but on the first like reading of this i i think i came away really lost as to what's actually happening but I think it's a really beautiful process. And I think this is one that I'm going to have to read a couple more times before I can really get a sense of what's actually happening. I don't know if you guys felt this way at the end of this issue.
0: Yeah, I had to go back over it again because I felt a little confused. Mm. <laughs> but I think that's just because, like, it literally just kind of, like, airdrops you into this. Um, but I, I went over it. After going over it again, I, I kind of got more of an idea of what's going on. And it it made it made more sense. And... I, yeah, I I agree with you on the artwork. I I thought it was like these beautiful pastel colors and everything else. I, I like I thought it was great for that. It's like this mystical space fantasy with shades of Shiro and Voltron, as I said before, and it's like soft, loose artwork that leans towards abstract with ethereal colors and thick lines, and everything's got like this dreamlike quality about it. Um, For me, the pacing was good, and there's some nice work where cosmic spacescapes and landscapes are concerned. There's some nice full-page work there. Um, In fact, one of the opening pages where we get kind of like an establishing shot of Bridget's um, uh, flagship called the Inspiration, um, we've got like this establishing shot of the Inspiration, the ship itself, and it's got this like... Gaudy statue of the goddess, like on the front of the ship, in a style of like uh, when you would get like a, a a dragon carved into a Viking ship or something like that on like the front end, yeah, like or master, like a hood, kinda. like a hood ornament type thing. And it's kind of <laughs> yeah, you, like this is you know, you know, she well, she's a goddess, of course, she's gonna be like that. She wants people to revere her. She's so therefore she's gonna build a sh- an idol into her ship, Um and. You've got like this beautiful kind of like cosmic spacescape going on in the background with like all these kind of like blending colors and magical looking like nebulae I guess and like a comet like kind of screaming past and it's just it's just mm. a beautiful page um and yeah i I really like the premise in this the idea of these two gods at war with one another and like the subversion with the sun goddess being the antagonist because usually it's the other way around and we're actually siding with the goddess of fate and death the morrigan now these are actual also based on like actual figures from Irish myth like the story in the comic seems to draw heavily on celtic myth actually and the un- and like it kind of has like this kind of undercurrent this this kind of idea of encroaching christianity on the pagan world and how some gods and goddesses were appropriated and became saints or how certain practices live on as part of Christian celebration and the struggle to be remembered and the struggle to kind of, I guess, I guess if you put yourself in the shoes of a god or a deity, the struggle to remain relevant and be remembered, which is something that Sandman explored in places as well, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Like forgotten gods. And American gods, yeah. There's a lot yeah. of game
2: Gaiman work that's kind of like this.
0: yeah. And mm-hmm. um, I think that's what resonated most with me, and what I enjoyed most about it—that kind of line that was running through it. There, I mean, I don't mm-hmm. know. But, I mean, what did you take away from this, Ray? I, I mean,
2: I, I think you're better at reading into this kind of stuff than I am. Um, like, I, I think I, I wasn't in the right headspace for this kind of story to begin with. But then, what I did focus on was the artwork, which I can, I can talk a, b- a bit more about later. But yeah, as for the story, I think I need to give it another go. But it's really nice to, like, it's enlightening to hear you remind me of like these Celtic myths that I should maybe reassess it from a different angle because I think I am missing the connections here. Um but again that's I think that's not necessarily a fault of the comic. I think that's me not paying enough attention to it and mm. I'd like to hear what I think you know, I'd like to hear more of what you have to think on this a few issues down.
0: Yeah. I I'm I will have, definitely have to revisit this and check out issues two, three, four, five onwards because it's gonna be really good. Um Leon. Uh, what what is your takeaway from this one?
1: Yeah, I'd echo um, a few of the things you guys mm-hmm. said in regards to uh, the artwork and the design. I thought I uh, pretty pretty good. I do like the um, uh, the whole thread of like uh, like the forgotten gods and influence and power and all that. And I like um, how the book wears its influences like on its sleeve um, and it, yeah it's a, it's a very good looking book and mm-hmm. um, I, I think like I would need to see more um, to decide if I was going to stick with this because I feel this issue has to do a lot in a short amount of time because uh, mm-hmm. it has to sort of not just world build; it has to universe build. Yeah. Uh, and then it has to immediately have this, um, on screen conflict.
0: And I think that's why it's something where you had to like, take a second glance.
1: Well, I, you to I do, you have to
0: do a double take, but I mean, you haven't, you've got it. Have you?
1: Yeah. Well, I just, I just, I just <laughs> yeah. read it once. But, yeah. um, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I got pretty much like I understood the story. It's it's not really that part. It's, um, I just think that because it has to introduce so many concepts um, and there's so many nebulous uh, things where if you're not like 100% on the, uh, and I think there were complaints with this I heard from people with the um, American Gods Amazon TV. Well, it's not on Amazon, uh, the TV show, where like people like, it was either a case where it feel, felt like you needed to read the book was, was an argument that uh, I got. And also that it felt like you needed to have some sort of idea of the gods before that, uh, which I, I can, I could see with that show. I don't hundred percent agree with it, but I could definitely see it with that show. But with, with this, I, I feel like, um, yeah, if you don't have that uh, full understanding of the, some of the influences you could get lost. But I, I think it's um, it works well to get across as much as it does in this first issue, and I do like the subversion of like the sun and death. But um, yeah, I, I almost think that at times maybe it's doing too much because like I feel like the lead character Winona, I think it is,
0: mm-hmm.
1: gets a little bit lost in the shuffle, and like her and her mate. Uh, I just I have no connection with them. Like, I'd rather spend time with, uh, what's her name, the uh, the emo witch with the crows, uh, Jacqueline of Faye. I'd rather spend time with her because she seems, like, cool and that she's got, like, a a story. Whereas, like, the kid, I know they're, like, sort of starting off and they're young Harry Potter-esque, like, wizards on their way type thing. But I found Winona to be kind of, like, dull. And, like, she's the boringest looking character out of everyone in the book, which hurts because she's just some like rando blonde, like her best mate's got blue hair. Like everyone else looks cool. But like, I assume that serves the purpose of like her being like an, an every person character. Mm. But um yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't taken of her while I was taken of everyone else. Um But yeah, I, I think like it, it manages to aggregate its influences in a cool way, and I feel that going forward, it's probably going to be uh transformative with them, but it's it's a thing that I'll, I'll at least need to read a second issue to see if I want to uh, stick with it, mm. and also to see um, if the possibly uh like the if the possibility of bad optics happening, I, I would li- like to see if that goes where where it could go, but I think overall it's um it's a good read and a, definitely um, an intriguing first issue.
2: Mm. Yeah. I, See, wh- can I can I give my my two cents? Yeah. Because I want to. The thing I want to like, following on from what Leon said, I think there are too many moving parts for someone like myself in this first issue. So I I gather that I'm like I might be a minority in this bit, but like I do think. I'm going to reveal something that I don't think I've mentioned on the cast before. But sometimes when I read a new comic, I don't actually spend that much time reading the plot or reading the words. I think I end up, depending on what kind of mood I'm in, I pore over the images a lot. Um, so this is one of those comics where I wasn't really in the mood for reading the story. And so this is what I mean about it's not necessarily a fault of the, the comic. Although it does have, I think it, it is throwing too much into the mix to get the interest of somebody like myself in this first issue. And again, a common complaint we have is... Uh, how hard it is to review issue number ones, I think I would probably uh, pour over this much better as a trade, knowing that there was going to be a full arc of a storyline or there's going to be a more chance of that happening after reading the first 10 pages, if you know what I mean. Whereas when you get 10 pages into an issue one and you're feeling lost, you know that you're not going to get the answers you need in the next 10 pages. Um, But the thing that dragged me along in this book is the quality of the artwork. And like we said before, like that, that um pastely colorscapes. there's something that i love about the art in this where it's doing a lot with very little and it shows that off immediately like the first image you see is like this um like this very sparsely drawn city on very sparsely drawn green hills over very sparsely drawn waterfalls and it's like it's really beautiful in its simplicity so like you're saying it's got really bold striking like thick edged lines but then in between all those lines is massive patches of like um almost singular color like one gradient of of green going across this entire hillscape for example and then the buildings even as you get further into the scene and it gets closer and closer to the buildings the the fidelity of those buildings remains basically the same it's almost like they're um like you're looking at the the hard-edged bindings of a, you know, like a, a bookshelf, for example. That's what I brought to mind. Or like they look like cardboard boxes, and that never gets uh, dived into deeper. And I kind of like that; that it remains quite um, simple in in the things that it's illustrating. You know, it doesn't it doesn't get more detailed the deeper you get in. And I think that's the kind of easy. It, it's weird. It's a weird dissonance because the 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 plotting, the the narrative, the the dialogue, felt very. Uh, convoluted or like hard to penetrate but the artwork was doing the exact opposite where it was it felt really uh free and soothing and like easy to drift through and that's why i feel a bit conflicted about this book because both of those things were like in opposition for me personally so I, i don't know if you have thoughts on that
0: yeah i that is like um i think i i think that's kind of that 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 is what works for this book as well like the um the images are are like like you say nice and simple and neat almost abstract with the colors involved and everything else and then the 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 text itself is quite um it's quite hard going and as you've both said unless you are completely on the ball it's easy to get lost in this book uh, but I think that's what it's got going for it that it's that you can read the images without having to rely too much on the uh on the lettering but I mean that's that's the power of comics, I guess. Um, but before that, I'll just get to the credits for She Said Destroy. So the credits here for She Said Destroy, we have, uh, Joe Carallo is the writer. Rebecca Nolte is the colorist. Um, Liana Kangas is the artist. And Melanie Ujimori is the letter letterer. And, uh, yeah, they've, they've put together a, a stunning book and I quite enjoyed it.
1: Uh, um, I would just add, like, I think the lettering's pretty good in this bit. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah
1: did you mean like the 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 story or like the the way the story unfolds because I think the lettering's pretty good I think he means
0: that I think yeah he meant the way the story unfolds as in yeah I didn't, I didn't mean no, that no. versus the simplicity of the images yeah you
1: said lettering but anyway uh <laughs> I just want to shout out I think that uh MVP of the comics definitely Rebecca uh now to use colors they they mm. uh they do yeah. uh, elevate the book to a, yeah. to another level. When I
0: when I said lettering, I didn't mean the lettering was dense. I meant lettering as in uh, the term I'm using for the words in the comic, as in the lettering. <laughs> it's funny too,
1: for yeah. this medium, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> the writing, the lettering. Yeah, I know, I know. I I've done it. I yeah, I'm backwards. My brain's backwards, but there we go. But yeah, there's some cool lettering in this, actually, in the way that um, different voices are represented and things, which is something me and Leon touched on in the last episode, in the way that um, the shape of a speech bubble, for example, or the way that a speech bubble is coloured can change the way that you hear a character. And that's kind of cool. But yeah, that was a a cool little book, and that's on sale now. Um, As of last week, I believe, the 29th. Yes, so uh, the Wednesday prior to when you're listening to this show, which will either be the 5th of June or after. Um, The next one is one that me and Leon read, which is a book called Road of Bones. Now, this one one was a really cool one for me, actually. I really enjoyed this. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to read you the blurb very quickly for Road of Bones. In 1953, the Siberian gulag of uh, Kolyma is hell on earth, which is why Roman Morozov leaps at the chance to escape it. But even if they make it out, Roman and his fellow escapees still have hundreds of miles of frozen tundra between them and freedom. With the help of a uh, a mysterious being straight out of his childhood fairy tale stories, Roman just might make it. Or is it being, or is this being, or is the being simply a manifestation of these brutal circumstances driving him insane? From writer Rich Duick of Gutter Magic, uh, I know Rich Duick from um, Turtles comics. Um, he's written, um, I think he wrote some stuff uh, for um, one of the uh, TMNT universe books, which was really cool. Um, and artist Alex Cormack of Sync, uh, Road of Bones will carve a path of unrelenting dread right into your heart. Horror history and Russian folklore collide in this brutal survival tale where the worst prison in the world is merely the gateway to even darker horrors. So, um, I actually tweeted about this as well because uh, I, I I enjoyed it that much. I had to shout about it there and then on the Sunday that I read it. So, um, I put out a, kind of like a mini review on Twitter for what I thought about this book and um, I think that's probably what scooped you in, is it, Leon? Uh, yeah, it was
1: a mix of that. Um, it was a mix of like looking at some of the the preview art, and I thought like, um, hell, let me jump in and see what it's about.
0: Yeah, so I mean, to kick us off, um, I I thought this was really great for a first issue for a horror comic. I thought it was a a really smooth opening. And um, when we've talked about horror comics before, we try and kind of place them on a timeline of a movie, right? It's what we did with Winnebago graveyard where we take each issue and then we kind of say, okay, so this is going to be the opening 20 minutes of the movie. So would you agree with me if I said this was the opening 20 minutes, half an hour of the film?
1: Uh, Yeah, because it, 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 it's a good, it's like a full act one, isn't it? It Introduces you to the people to the world. And then an inciting incident happens which um, sets people on an adventure.
0: Yeah. So this is the the sort of opening 20, 30 minutes of a brutal horror movie. And this book is brutal. Um, As is in the blurb, it is Russian folklore meets unforgiving Siberian wastes. And it's in a merciless Soviet era forced labor camp. And like, This is like the art is gorgeous and the attention to detail in the writing is like to echo what I've already said on Twitter is fantastic. Um, It is a sucker punch. Um, So the historical edge kind of sells this to me and the way that this comic flows in the way that it's lettered and with um, the page layouts and the pace that it keeps for the type of story that it's telling this kind of like brutal and relenting survival horror and this this world that it, well this this place that it puts you this um this russian forced labor camp this gulag like the way that it it manages to put you there with it's so effective i think um and there is some fantastic artwork that perfectly conveys the hard-edged bleakness of the environment and the lives of the characters while they're within these prison, the, the the walls of this prison camp, and and where the chunk of Siberian tundra that they're currently inhabiting, and you you freeze when you read it. You feel the bitter of cold, and you feel the contempt in the illustrated stares of the guards, and each blow. When a beating's doled out, which happens quite a few times throughout this issue, I have to say um it as an opener it's great, and as we've already mentioned the pacing i i thought the pacing was spot on um the actual opening to this book to issue one sets the scene perfectly in these sort of like classic twelve panel page layouts follow uh, which follow like an establishing page that gives you kind of like a full um window into this brutal gulag life with guards watching people as they work tirelessly and like well i I say tirelessly in the fact that they're not allowed to get tired because that's what happens in this uh in the opening of this book someone gets tired and the guards don't like it um but you, you basically work till you drop and you you feel that and you see how you get an idea throughout the book actually of how hard it is for the guards and the uh the prisoners. It's it's almost like everyone's a prisoner here. And some prisoners are just slightly yeah. better off than others. Um which I, I guess is what it was like back then. Um I, I guess that's that's kind of like from from what from things I've heard and, and things I've read and things I've studied when I studied a little bit of Soviet Russia at school. Um, during like when I did my A levels and stuff, it's it's kind of like th- this is almost what it was like. Like, every, you know, it, it, the guards hated it as much as you did, being stationed out there in the middle of nowhere. I guess is what is probably what it would have been like, right? Yeah, but then also, yeah. fuck the guard, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, um, what did you what did you take away from this, Leon? Then, so, yeah, I, I thought this is a really good first issue
1: um i think that it's really effective in crafting um this situation and this moment in time uh like you you can like feel like the, i think the the artwork uh, alex Cormac's art has that level of like gritty detail that isn't dirty it's like clear but like every line uh adds like uh like a worn aged feel to each character uh every like bruise is uh a, a magnificent like blue purple red pink concoction uh, every uh, red uh, reddened nose in the cold is like uh uh it, it it's all um it's all presented in a way that is just really evocative and very good at sort of pulling you into this, into this story. Like there's, uh, there's just like uh, depth and texture to like every panel Um, from when it's outside and it's like, you have like the light snow as they're like digging roads outside to like the inside portions, which are like cloaked in, in darkness with a few, uh, like barely any light at all um and and some sequences have just like a uh, once like y type spotlight and um it, it's just it's it's done in such a way that i feel like i felt cold while watching it <laughs> I felt like i was out there
0: yeah exactly uh,
1: even uh, and it was uh, it, uh, i said watching uh, as i was reading it and i uh, i i um i was like sat in my room uh, no, actually, I was sat, sat on the sofa uh, with, like, uh, iPad in hand, giving it a good read. It was a really warm day, but I just felt the chill. Felt the chill. I wanted to grab my hoodie. Like, just, like, little details, like, in the nighttime scenes, um, like, uh, intense, like, face-to-face confrontations. And you can see, like, uh, the the cold breath in the air, just little details like that the use of uh like light um the use of uh like close-ups and the almost um like slight not cartoony but there's a slight um perverse edge to the expressions on people's faces and mm. in that very like horror style way
0: there's like but it, it like almost like um like gargoyle faces in some places they're like um like you say that 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 perverse edge to it and yeah just, when you mention the use of light there's a particularly good point where we are in um an office and we get um some uh like it's one two three four five six is it six no five five panels Uh, horizontal panels, um, one under the other, and the perspective just keeps flipping from one side of the table to the other in this interrogation. And um, the use of light here is fantastic, like the single light in the center of the table and the way it works. And I think it's ever since I saw this in, um, or I saw similar techniques employed in uh, Brian Bolland's work in um, Killing Joke, yeah. Where Batman and the Joker are sat opposite each other and the Joker is, we, at that point we think it's the Joker, He's playing patience with a deck of cards. And um, it's kind of like a one-way conversation, isn't it, at that point? Like Batman's talking, Joker's just sitting there. Um, and it's its a similar thing where the perspective just keeps switching on the page. I mean, it, it I can't remember exactly. It might be employed slightly differently in page layout, but it's a similar technique and I love it. Um, and the way the light works here as well, it is brilliant. Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's great. And
1: that, but yeah. th- there's little things that I like because, I mean, you're dealing with uh, a lot of uh, Russian dudes who are going to be wearing hats and they're going to be wearing, like, full, like, uh, uh, over, uh, like, um, like work uniform because uh, it's cold out there. So I really like uh, the subtle but really good uses of color and, like, patches on, like, their hats and their shoulders and their, their jackets and their trousers just so it makes it easy to identify, uh, who is, who, uh, who is who, uh, mm-hmm. uh, like easily, uh, that like, uh, in my, in my, uh, head, I was joking to myself about, uh, Roman, the, the sort of lead character pretty much being Naruto. Like that's gotta be, uh, <laughs> influence there. He's got blonde hair and he's got orange patches on, on his uniform. But, um, yeah, I just I think it's it's um just really good at um taking you through like the awful calm where like food rations and like um really, really um like brutal punishment mm. um awaits you. And if you it, make the same mistake twice, you're gonna get yeah. stomped down and it, no one can do anything about it
0: it builds tension beautifully and there's some evil smiles in this book like <laughs> specific points where gods have like this kind of like horrible smile on their faces and it's 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 got teeth this whole thing has teeth um teeth for days and like yeah, the way it... the interspersing of russian words as well in the writing yeah yeah,
1: yeah. I-, I thought i thought that was good um yeah. again it's another sort of technique that pulls you pulls you in. Mm. And, like, speaking to what you were talking about earlier, where you are talking about how, like, the guards aren't going to be there, I'm not going to go into detail, but, like, the, there's, like, some panels later where these, these guards are discussing um, what to do in a certain situation. Yeah. Um, and why a, a character hasn't done a particular thing. And I think that is so good. And there's, like, nine panels of, like, yeah. illustrating... Uh, what you were talking about in terms of that 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 situation where uh, if it's not them, it's us type thing, and it, yeah. it really is like a trickle down, yeah, uh, effect of uh, such a, a brutal uh, regime, regime and, yeah. and way in, of life, and how everybody is sullied by it as you as you go um, up the ladder.
0: And it's it's like the guards don't want to be there, and they're taking it out on the inmates. Yeah. Yeah. They take out their frustration and anger on the inmates, which, are, you know, it's not right at all, and they, they are brutal, the way they treat these people. But if they don't get results, then they get the same treatment by the sounds of it. And well, it seems like... it's yeah, yeah, it
1: seems just like this horrible uh, situation where these people are out in the middle of nowhere yeah. uh, so like uh humanity itself is just disappearing and like nobody has any right um and instead these people are just being like brutal for the heck of it
0: yeah uh, exactly. because they're
1: scared of being shot and it's just like
0: yeah
1: i know just such a vicious horrible cycle and uh it, it, for them as well, they're like particularly smug about it because it's like this is what's gonna happen, this is what's gonna happen, don't worry, it'll be fine. And it's uh yeah, it's awful. It's um I would not wanna be where these where these guys are. <laughs> it it just, it's a wasteland. And it just feels like only, only death sits out there. Yeah. So like um the the supernatural elements that uh, mm-hmm. are part of it uh, are really intriguing to me.
0: The like the 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 Russian culture in here as well, like the the way they've managed to like get that in, and the the supernatural element. The um, I wanted to discuss what it was, but I, I don't think I can. Can I? Can I talk about that? Uh, I guess
1: <laughs> leave it as vague as it was in the earlier panels, probably.
0: Yeah, yeah. Something called a Domovic. um, which I my first experience with this actually was the real Ghostbusters believe it or not there's an episode where because uh, ray ray stands has russian family and uh there's an episode where they visit his aunt's house for a phony seance that is being put on by a um like he's a he's a con man and uh yeah it's um uh, dr Bassingame. yeah he's a con man like posing as like a a supernatural spiritualists basically performing this seance in ray's aunt's house and it all goes wrong and because they're a russian family um in ray's aunt's house lying dormant are domovik and uh they um there are several domovik and they they get angered by this phony seance and it all kicks off and uh yeah that's where it goes from there and the ghostbusters obviously have to get involved to try and calm things down but that was my first experience with the so when i saw the word domovic in here i was like oh my god no <laughs> they've turned something that was you know like friendly and mischievous from my childhood into something like but that's the, the thing that's the thing that's yeah. good
1: here is that uh even in uh the like text of the book like roman uh and for for us as well he doesn't know if it's just uh because he's playing up to superstition hoping mm. that this uh if he leaves some food out something he'll be he'll he'll get some type of blessings yeah and uh, and it, it's not made clear for him whether like the things that he might have seen if mm. they're in his head because he's in this awful situation being driven to delirium yeah. or if it is real. But in, for him, it's just like, I'm going to, I'm just going to do yeah. this. Like it's a superstition. It's like, I don't know if it's real, but I'm I'm just going to do this. Like
0: and just something to try and keep him going, something to try and yeah. keep him grounded. Yeah. And it's, like it's, it's
1: creating yeah. a, creating some form of hope, which is yeah. pretty
0: cool. And it's like his, uh, it, again, it's something that was possibly, you know, um, something probably mild and mischievous from his childhood that his aunt told him about some, some legend about some mild and mischievous spirit that has been, that has become, that that is now, you know, something else in the pages of this book. And it's great. I love it. Uh, and I think that's where I've got to stop before I go any further, but it's great. Yeah. Um, and I'll just add
1: like, um, uh, in, in, in some like later panels, there's like really good, um, you, I mean, throughout the book, the color is really good, but like, yeah. it, especially at the end, uh, in sort of a nighttime scene involving like fire, yeah, uh, the way color is used is so good. It's um, it is gorgeous. The, just the 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 mixing of the colors um, and the way that it's um, it it feels like it's sort of uh, diffused, but mm. in, in the foreground, it, uh, it's it's done really well. Like you can feel the, I mean, you can see as well, like the elements, like particles in, in the air, like yeah. It
0: it,
1: it is very, um, I mean, uh, very illustrious, I'd say.
0: And that first blood splatter as well, in the oh yeah, the yeah first yeah. few panels of the book, like the way they do, the way that the way that the color is used to, to, to illustrate blood in this and everything, it's just like you get the idea that blood shows up in against the snow and everything, you know, like they do that really well. Like, I'm, yeah. And, yeah. and
1: it, 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 it has a very good contrast to it. Um, and it's not like the whole book is because the way to cheat that is just to, you could make everything washed out, mm. but there's actually a surprising amount of color in for such like a, a bleak setting. And I think that, um, that pays dividends throughout the book.
0: Mm. And as I already mentioned, like the lettering, the pacing, the way the uh, in the way that um, speech bubbles are spaced out, um, like you get like the tense pauses and everything, but they're illustrated in gaps between speech bubbles. In like we talk about like um, panels as a measure of time, but like also in the amount of space between two speech bubbles, you can kind of get a sense of that sometimes as well, which is really cool. Mm. Um, and at the same time, yeah. you get a lot
1: of panels where there is uh, no dialogue or uh, no yeah. sound whatsoever. But you, you like, um, you fill in the gaps um, yeah. from what's come before.
0: Yeah, and it is—it's just such a great first issue, and it's like a Blind River first issue. I cannot wait until this gets released as a trade because it'll be one for the shelf. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm loving this. I'm all over it. And that is Road of Bones, issue number one, and uh, that is written by Rich Duick. and that is art, colours, and cover by Alex Cormac, letters by Justin Birch. So that's your three-person team, and what a team they are to come up with something like that. So Ray, did you have something to discuss next?
2: I do, and it's the exact opposite of what you guys have just been talking about. <laughs> looks like heavy, damn. Like that's that's not what I needed, and I'm glad that I didn't read that. Um, what I read was a book called Paradox Girl. Yeah. Um, as I often do, I just picked it out based on the strength of the cover, uh, where it shows the um, the eponymous Paradox Girl uh, on the front cover, surrounded by like 20 different variations of herself. So, what this book is, um, let, me, let me read out the blurb from uh, from Comicsology. Give me one moment. If I can find it. So, as a hero with the power to go anywhere and when, Paradox Girl has made an absolute mess of her own life. She's changed history so often that she isn't even sure who she is anymore. Join her in this superhero comedy as she tries to make sense of her chaotic existence, chases bizarre whims, and maybe even finds time to save the day once in a while. So, uh, this basically came out last week. I think it was the 29th of May um, that it came out as a trade, collecting issues 1 to 6 of Paradox Girl. It is written by Katie L. Borkin and it has art by Yishan Lee. Uh, Let me just see if there's any more credits. Um, Additional art by Harley Williams, Suzanne, Elizabeth Miller, and Stuart Wallace Miller. Um, So, what I gather is this was originally funded on Kickstarter um, under the name of something I think called Hannah Comics. Hannah is in the Japanese word for flower, Hannah. Um, And I've just been on the website. It looks like in the wake of this comic, they released uh, like a short board game uh, version called, uh, let me have a look, Time Game, which is very appropriate for this uh, paradox and time travel themed comic. Um, so I might be checking that out. But it turns out this was picked up by Image Comics and it's finally published by Image Comics and yeah, collected into this uh, Volume 1. And it's basically six completely different stories. So these six different issues were six entirely different stories about... This paradox girl and issue number one is such a fantastic introduction to her, where it shows how she basically messes up her own life con- constantly by tr- jumping back in time. And every time she jumps backwards or forwards through time, she leaves like a version of herself in the time she just left behind. So she keeps creating problems and then leaving it for another version of herself to <laughs> clean up. And it's so the oh, first wow. issue, yeah, is I think you would love it. The first issue sold. is basically. It's it's great. First issue is her trying to fi- one find breakfast for herself, but it find, ends up being like whisked away and we don't find out how and it turns out later on that it was a version of herself that we track throughout the entire issue. Um like we follow one version of herself as she interacts with other versions of herself as she one wakes up to get ready, two tries to get ready for breakfast, three gets um has to go travel back in time to find of of like a fictional variation of ego waffles which are banana-flavored waffles that are her favorite food in the world, but they stopped making them in 1987. <laughs> and we get, like, a flashback to her climbing over, like, 50 versions of herself because it's getting harder and harder to find the last box because she keeps going back in time to get the last box from the supermarket. Oh, it's nice. ridiculous. Um, and then it's how it plays with this confusion of where she's sort of dressed the same in as every version of herself. She's either waking up in, like, her her baggy sleeping clothes or she's dressed as like this slightly well put together secretary. And there's so many different uh, copies of herself that you don't know who you're tracking until you get the final picture at the end of each issue. And every single issue has this moment of like revelation where you see how the cycle happens and like the disorientation that she's feeling and sort of just living in her moment moment because she has no idea what the concept of continuity is because she's she's not lived it for so long. So we see this this moment of her, like, so again, in this first issue, she's fighting over her breakfast with a version of herself. And there's a moment where they're fighting over the waffle and one kicks the other up the butt. And then we, f- we track the one who gets kicked over as she gets kicked into a forward timeline where she's trying to save the city uh, with her sidekick. And then that tracks to a version where she goes back in time, is herself fighting herself for the waffle. But it turns out she's the other version who kicked the first one up the butt. And then we see her, like, victory pose. And then being attacked by the same monster that she neglected to fight the first time round. And it's just, it's mind-blowing and, like, convoluted and ridiculous. And doesn't, I guess, doesn't really make much sense if you track it. But, like... The way that the, the time travel is portrayed is really interesting because it's just you get to see, like, a thread of pink that, like, emanates either as a as a mirage coming off of her or, like, a thread of pink that travels throughout the scenes and connects to different versions of the same character. And it's just super interesting. The first first issue does a really good job as like, selling what her powers are. The second one, I believe, is called... Let me see if I can find the title of this issue because it made me laugh the first time side, I
0: read it. Side note, just while you're doing that, I... Yeah, this is like it sounds like it was insanely hard to make. <laughs> and... I feel like it
2: because it, there's this is why I respect this story because I feel like it's easy to come up with this kind of concept and say oh, I'm just going to make a, a you know a, a crazy time twisty paradox story, but it's hard to make that to give it a satisfying payoff without mm. feeling like it's um, I also, don't know like yeah. I, I don't know what the word I'm trying to find is, but like a little bit pretentious, whereas this is having so much fun and there's all these like comedic payoffs that it doesn't really matter that the that it's nonsensical because there's like a thematic uh, through line. And this is the thing I um, I was thinking about while I was reading it, where it's like it's speaking to some form of anxiety. Like I'm sure there's a deeper reading. I haven't fully gone into the subtext or maybe I'm trying to find it where it doesn't really exist. But like it's speaking to an anxiety that I don't really understand. Stand. like i know there's something there i just don't know what it is because like there's it's a whole theme of her fighting with herself but it's so undercut by all the silliness that i'm not really trying to find the depth in it i'm just along for the ride and really enjoying it also, so that's it
0: a... um, <clears throat> just, just just from what you've said so far it sounds like a meta look at the state of the big two as in DC and Marvel, like a particular character in of D- a particular DC character or a particular Marvel character and their career mm-hmm. over time and the number and the retcons and them going <laughs> back in time and changing their own histories and so forth and such on, you know?
2: Yeah, maybe I'd like I'd like <laughs> to hear what you have to think about this, because, again, I didn't yeah. read it with this this framing in mind, but I'm sure there must be some sort because what I was going to get to is issue number two is called Paradox Girl versus a Wolverine. So you, she wakes up in the morning and she hears, like, a schnicked under her bed, but it turns out it's an actual wolverine. Oh, no. Like, Do, do you remember that that poem where it's um, this poor old lady, she swallowed a fly?
0: Yeah, 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 and yeah. And,
2: like, she swallows a fly and then she doesn't know what to do about it, and so she swallows the next biggest animal that can catch the fly that's in her throat, yeah. so she swallows a spider. And yeah. Then the spider gets stuck in her throat and then she she swallows a bird. So basically this, this issue is a very similar thing where Paradox Girl finds this... Um, this Wolverine, uh, and has to deal with the problem, but she doesn't want to deal with the problem. So she creates it as a problem for another version of herself. That's like five minutes in the past. Yeah. And then that version pulls out, like, uh, goes into the North Pole and pulls out a polar bear to attack the, the Wolverine with, but then that becomes a problem for another version of herself who pulls out like a, uh, um, like a Terminator gecko or like, sorry, Terminator ostrich, which then.
0: A Terminator ostrich. Ostrich. So is this,
2: It's ridiculous. And then that creates a problem for another version of herself. who pulls out like some other ridiculous fantasy animal and then it, it ends up escalating and it's just I'm, it's really. I'm still stuck on the concept
0: it. of Terminator Ostrich.
2: I mean I don't know any better way to describe it. It's an ostrich with like a laser beam on its eye. Has it got <laughs> enhancements? Like like does it, it does. It... it has like four gapping guns on its back.
0: Does it wear the leather jacket? <laughs> it
2: <laughs> It is a leather jacket, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so good. And, like, I haven't even touched on the, the art yet, which is it's quite simple artwork in the sense that the backgrounds don't have lots of detail, but, like, the, the characters are really, like, expressive, and there's a lot of really interesting work happening with, like, um, her hair and her outfits and stuff, which look really lived in and, like, really baggy and loose and really interesting that way. And then this does that thing that I love with certain stories where it lulls you in with... Um, with, like, the silliness and, the, you know, the, uh, the lack of tension and, like, just... It, it makes you have so much fun, and then it throws, like, a whammy episode in the middle where it shows how her powers are viewed from the perspective of someone who's dealing with loss at some point and, like, how she tries to go back in time and try and fix the problems that this guy is dealing with, or even, not necessarily even the problems, but, like, um, an aspect of his grief... She tries to repair it, and he's furious that she thinks that she'd go back and fix it. When all he really wants to do is talk about his life, and she doesn't have, she like lacks this fundamental understanding of what it means to live through life linearly. And it does. Then it really goes to some really interesting places. And then after you've had that like punch in the gut, it goes to an issue where um, she's playing a version of herself as James Bond. And like in a mixture of James Bond and Murder on the Orient Express, where she is every single person on the train. So, but just at various different points in the timeline. So she's the oh. hero. She's the damsel. <laughs> she's the villain. She's the the waiter. She's like these two random people in the background who are just dressed in like kinky outfits. It's it's so strange and like ridiculous. And I would really, really highly recommend it. Um, yeah, it yeah. sounds fantastic. How, how, have, so cool. how have
0: I missed this? I mean, I don't, I picked it up
2: just because I spotted it on the shelf last week, and I thought, why not give it a go? So how? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I too... I, I've I've never heard of the writer or the illustrator. I've yeah. been looking them up while you know just in preparing for this episode, and the only other comic that um, Katie Birkin has done is Axiom Man, and that character is a character in Paradox Girl. So I'm I haven't read that yet, but
0: I'm assuming they they have
2: like overlapping stories.
0: So so I need um. to go back in time <laughs> and read this and then probably talk about it on a previous episode. <laughs> 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 and then there'll be episodes of Ace Comicals from then onwards that have got two Gregs. Yeah, I can't wait to hear what like you've that. already said about it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> so that sounds really good. Um, yeah, that's a very recent the trend. Again.
2: That is Katie Birkin as the writer and Yishan Li
0: as artist and illustrator. Yeah, sounds really cool. Sounds like something I want to check mm. out.
2: I um, also do want to pick out the the board game, just even if it yeah. just has the like the artwork and the silly humor of the comic. I think that would be a worthy pick, and it's it's only twenty yeah. quid, so I might just pick that up.
0: So, I mean, aside from the other two comics that I've already talked about that I've read, um, I've been oh. reading my. Um, Sort of like going back and rereading Schlocky Marvel comics, uh, <laughs> namely the first Secret Wars. So this is like Secret Wars 1984, um, and uh, it's it's great fun. And it was just it was just something that I I don't know I I was just like amazed that it was something that was purely to flog action created purely to flog action figures, all all because Mattel wanted to like get on the train and rival Kenner who had like a license for DC toys at the time. Um, So secret wars was like, like a big Marvel crossover. Like they basically, it's like Marvel smash bros is the easiest way I can describe it. They get all the Marvel characters and they drop them on a planet and they're being controlled by, or they've been brought there by some, a force called the beyonder this godlike force this this godlike being um who is well like for for yeah it yeah and they're <laughs> on this planet and they fight and they are provided with gadgets and bases and stuff and all the other things that sell action figures and add value to action figure transactions but yeah it was it was cool um i've been rereading that and um on top of that the last comic that i wanted to talk about was batman last night on earth um, which is the latest DC Black Label release, and this is Snyder and Capullo, the uh, Batman New Fifty Two team. So that's uh, Scott Snyder writes, uh, Greg Capullo draws. Um, he's the artist. Uh, got Jonathan Glapion on inks. FCO Placentia does colors. Uh, Tom Napolitano is the letterer, and uh, the cover is Greg Capullo and FCO Placentia. And uh, we've got a variant cover by Jock. And um, the main cover, which is the one that I've got, is Batman in this kind of, like, luminous green, like, uh, scratched and scored and beaten, um, stamped, uh, like, uh, typeface. And then uh, we've got um, this kind of, like, red, arid-looking... Desert scape with Batman walking and he's got like a a, a lamp, a lamp, like an old fashioned looking lamp, but inside the lamp instead of a bulb, it's the Joker's head um, and there's like sand and dust getting kicked up and stuff. And yeah, it's well, I mean, like my other name for it is Mad Bruce <laughs> Um, and you'll you'll get why in a moment when I start talking about it. So it's um it's the new 52 team. They are the bat maestros as far as i'm concerned their new 52 room was symphony as far as i'm concerned some of the best batman i've ever read and this is the conclusion to that the ending to their story and it's on dc black label and in a departure from the other dc black label release it's actually a normal comic size instead of it being a massive ass magazine that i can't fit in anything um (laughs) and it's ordinary size which i like contrary to batman damned um so what I'm going to do is I'm going to get you a blurb or description for this because this is something where I think I'm going to need assistance to to uh, describe it. Bruce Wayne wakes up in Arkham Asylum, young, sane, and he was never Batman. So begins the sprawling tale of the Dark Knight as he embarks on the quest through a devastated DC landscape featuring a massive cast of familiar faces from the DC universe. As he tries to piece together the mystery of his past, he must unravel the cause of this terrible future and track down the unspeakable force that destroyed the world as he knew it. So, there you have it. Mad Bruce or Young Man Bruce or old man batman or whatever you want to call it that's what this is okay um it's all of those things and it's better for it i guess um i love all of those things individually so a combination of all of those things is even better um now the art and the pacing and the attention to detail is exactly what i've come to expect from this team the unease and the strangeness and the twisted in the beginning of this book gives way to the epic in a premise that pulls from various post-apocalyptic tales it like i keep saying it has that mad max going for it it has that old man logan air about it um there's some cool character designs in this like i love seeing post-apocalyptic takes or mad maxified established dc characters and i like seeing that um that was one of the one of my one of the reasons that i enjoyed old man logan as well i like seeing like what the future does to these characters like this is the hulk in the future now and this is you know i I, i'm i'm a sucker for that stuff um and it's just yeah it's just a great batman story and it's it's uh it's only going to be three parts um this one was 61 pages um so it's it's a little bigger than a normal comic. It's almost double size. Um, but we like that. More content. More bang for our book. And uh, yeah, this is a really cool book from DC. I'm really into this. And it's like... Um, there's one particular sequence in the opening of this book that I love in particular. And it involves Crime Alley. And the pacing and the build-up to the crescendo are spot-on perfect. The way the panels run and the way the page is laid out and the delivery of the message, it is a solid gut punch. The kind that makes you queasy. And throughout this book, there's solid moments like that where it builds up and then delivers something. And the bit where, which it describes in the uh, the blurb where Bruce wakes up in the asylum is perfect for you know, like, that the, there's something not quite right here, like, that that has that, like, in spades, that there's something not quite right here, the, the, the kind of, like, weird kind of, like, anxiety of it, and that like, he knows that something's wrong, and nobody else knows that something's wrong, and it's just, it's great, and what that builds up to and what that turns into is fantastic and this is going to be, it's going to be an epic one, it's going to be one for the ages. it's going to be one for the shelf, um, it kind of has this kind of like um, Dark Knight Returns feel about it, it's that kind of uh, tale, that kind of, um, has that kind of regality about it, I guess, in that it's, that is like an important batman story that's the one that you know when people talk about like what batman comic should i read everyone recommends that or everyone you know it's it's going to be one of those i think it's going to be one of those um and yeah it's uh it's something i'm very into and uh, it's something i recommend to any batman fan and uh, it's something i recommend to you guys um Especially Leon, because I know Leon likes Batman. I like his Batman books. And he'll probably enjoy this being as it's only three books long.
1: Yeah, I love the sound of that.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> three
2: double-sized books long.
0: Yeah, but, you know, <laughs> it's great. It's got Green Lantern babies in it. I mean, what's wrong with Green Lantern babies, right? But yeah. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, yeah, it sounds good. <laughs> and uh, the Joker being a head in a lamp. Like, a talking head in a lamp. That's, yeah great um so that is uh batman the last or well, batman last night on earth and batman last night on earth book one uh yeah so that's that's the end of our list of comics i think uh mm. unless you two have got anything else you want to bring up briefly no no more comics no not for nope. me. <laughs> okay so i guess we can move on to the questions now we've actually had a question uh so we, we got sent a couple of questions actually by um our friend anthony uh he's a, a streamer streams on twitch uh, under Antascu, um plays a lot of cool games he sent us a question um if you could write a comic what would you choose to do i'm not talking entirely original here more like i'd write a batman comic but there's more I also want to know a brief elevator pitch for the comic chosen also pick an artist for uh, pick an artist who you're working with basically pick an artist to work with so he wants to know what kind of comic we'd make and he wants a brief elevator pitch for it and he wants us to choose an artist um I quite enjoyed the but there's more in that question kind of like a JML advert um <laughs> so. so what what are your what so
1: what's your pick Craig oh uh, um, uh, me uh, okay and uh, if- if it's not Batman, I'll be surprised. <laughs> it's
0: not. Or TMNT. It's or not. Ghostbusters. It's that. No. <laughs> <laughs> so my artist was James Stokoe. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would really love to make a real Ghostbusters comic with James Stokoe. Because I think his art style would lend itself well to the comic mayhem. And the... uh, Just like the sheer... like The way that you could illustrate the um the ghosts and like uh the monsters and everything else and the facial expressions of the ghostbusters and things i think he'd be great for that um and like this is just off the back of his work in godzilla half century war like i think he would make a great ghostbusters comic um and like with the way he would draw the equipment and everything he's 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 got that kind of like uh I've described his style before as like these kind of like little pieces, like kind of like this like crud or junk style that I really really enjoy. Because um, he's really good at drawing like these kind of like different like like minute like particles on particles on particles, like cramming loads of line and detail in to an amount of space, and that's it. Just it's just beautiful to look at. And that's why I think he'd be good at making a real Ghostbusters comic. So I do that. But then I had like my own original idea because I liked his work on Godzilla and Hell. And I think his style would lend itself well to kind of Lovecraftian cosmic horror. So a story, I had like this idea in my head a story about some miners that dig too deep and they hit what looks like an ancient city with a pool in the center that's filled with pitchback liquid. They call in like the science people. Uh, The archaeologists and while they're studying it, maybe some equipment malfunctions or something happens and they get too close to it for comfort or they touch it uh, or they may get coerced to touch it by some unknown force that, that inhabits one of them when they find an artifact or something and um the tunnel collapses it's pitch black and we are left with like three survivors like a miner a scientist and an archaeologist or something and they wake up in a strange world filled with like maddening gargantuan beasts and giant cyclopic structures and godlike beings and god knows what else and you know like uh cultists that have been there since the middle ages that have been like transported there and left there and have like gouged their own eyes out and gone nuts or something. And the only aim of these three people is to escape with their souls intact or, you know, like but the, it's either that or succumb to the madness. Do they manage to keep it together, you know, and this would be like a six issue mini series if I was gonna do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know if you guys had any ideas about this stuff.
1: Did you have any Rahul?
2: Um I like I've I've not spent too much time thinking about it, but where where I took this question right was not because the elevator pitch threw me off but what i would what i was thinking is the kind of stories that i enjoy and i feel like i would be able to tell well so the things that i like are kind of like slice of life um and it, in the manner of say giant days or something like yotsubato but i also like like young adventure stuff so i was thinking like Metcadet U you or you know, like goonies and that kind of thing um, and that got me thinking, that's the kind of thing I would want to draw upon. And I think also because I've been watching Skins as well, I've been thinking about this very like youthful, idealized childhood or teenage kind of slice of life drama. But I would want my artist to be someone like Takeshi Miyazawa who did Metcadet U, like that kind of vibrant, bouncy, fun art style, but with the ability to like draw in some some danger and some pathos. I think, I think that's what I want to do, um, that, that kind of plot. How, how about you, Leon?
1: Yeah, uh, for me, it was tough settling on, like, which pre-existing property I wanted to go with. And for ages, like, the problem with a lot of creator-owned stuff is that, I don't know, a lot of it, especially if it's finished, I'm like, yeah, that's the story. Like, I don't really mm. have my version of that. But I was trying to avoid, like, superhero comics. Uh, what I ended up on was for me a nice balance <laughs> uh, and that would be, I would like to, I think it would be really cool to do a nice um, 12 or 24 issue X-Men run um, and like none of this like end of the world shenanigans type stuff, I'd like it to be quite small and it's funny like um, following uh, sort of your uh comment uh or your idea rahul because um i think i would like to focus on like some of the younger x-men um Mm -hmm. and um like have it squarely fit in in terms of uh at the mansion and like in in uh in in the actual world none of this flying off to space or going to any like um uh, like Savage Lands or anything like that. I'd like to set it in the real world and more so like like upstate where they are in, uh, in the mansion, but also in the city. And I think I'd, it'd be really cool to set it between like two years of high school. So maybe in between um, them being juniors and then uh, in going into being seniors and focus on like a handful of, of of the younger X Men, and I think it'd be cool because it, it'd be less sort of slice of life and more there is a a, a story uh, like um, a thread running through, but how it affects um, these different select X Men in in different ways, and um, I think it'd be cool to uh, like delve in their into their heads a bit more and like in that classic uh, Claremont um, lineage. To go a bit more heavy into the um uh, some of the like allegories and allusions to what the x men like uh, meant for like uh what what they were inspired by in the real world, which uh what led to some of their ideas and stories in that so I, I think especially now in like 2019 2020, there's like so much to mine. Um, and explore in in the world of, like, uh, mutants in America. Uh, and I know, like, every story about that has ever been written, but I think, like, it would be cool to, like, follow some of these characters um, at, at at this particular age because, like, being a teen changes from, like, decade to decade. Like, our teen years are so different to, like, teens now, and uh, our teen years are so different to teens before us who are teens in the nineties and teens in the eighties. So I think there's a lot of like um ground there to cover. And there's a you've got a- access to so many uh like a smorgasbord of like cool characters. The hardest part would be whittling down who 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 I'd uh, want as my main cast so, and as my villains.
0: So you're talking like Westchester one oh five one oh or whatever instead <laughs> of Hills nine oh two one. Well yeah I think it's like um <laughs>
1: The the teen problems wouldn't really be like who's cheating with who type thing, but it would <laughs> it, it, it would it would deal with a lot of um, things that are going ahead. Because I think that's such a um, uh, it's such a transitional time because you're going into the final year, and then after the final year, it's like you're an adult. What what is what is uh, what do you do next? What's the next stage? Um, and especially as like a marginalised uh, uh, minority um i think that there's a lot of interest and in, um like ground there to cover mm. um cuz it's like the future's this big open space but at the same time they force kids to like take their sat's in america or over here you have to take your exams and that that decides the path of your life like you like maths like get an a in maths and then go to uni and do maths and then end up in a math job and it's like mm. but what if i don't like maths anymore <laughs> so like i i think there's a lot of um good ground to cover there and um yeah, I wasn't sure if, like, before uh, you doing your blur bit, uh, Greg. If we were, so we're the writer, definitely. Yeah, we're not. We're not the editor or this like
0: force of no, above. No, we've got okay.
1: Write okay, so in that case, then my artist would be none other than Jamie McKelvey, because <laughs> uh, I love the dude. Love all of his art. I love. I love, love, love his character design, and I, I think it, I could. He would, it, working with him would give me a, um, like a straight up a cool chance to re-envisage some of these characters because they're not going to be in their like super suits like they're at school and chilling during the summer. Um, so like it, I could do some really cool designs with some some of these iconic heroes. Mm. Um, but also uh, I think that it's not just his characters that look cool, like the worlds they inhabit and their uh, expressions are, are, are really good when I go like book to book, um, whether it be like Phonogram or Wicked and Divine, like, uh, like everything that I've read where he's been an artist on there, it's just, it, it would call to me. And I think like this would be a really good project to have him on. Um, and I think if you've got Jamie McKelvey there, you need to have Matt Wilson doing colours. Like I think those two uh work together really well and um matt Matt Wilson brings brings a lot to Jamie McKelvey's um art so I think have to have those two on. Um yeah I think that'd be a pretty good team because I, I was thinking if I was in the editor role then uh my my writer would have been uh Saladin Ahmed. I think he would just destroy this storyline and uh properly Probably nail it with the uh, interiority and um, thoughtfulness that I think it um, yeah. deserves. But at the same time, he doesn't yeah. write in a preachy style. Yeah. He writes in quite a, a, an, an entertaining and uh, well thought, um, well thought out style. So I See, think it'd be a good match.
0: Yeah, I mean, like to to sort of like enhance my pitches um, for my original one that I came up with. You could easily adapt that to a Swamp Thing story. Like you could have like a, a maybe maybe have Swamp Thing in that, a Swamp Thing in a, in some kind of like weird realm. That would be cool. And James Stoko would like do a great Swamp Thing book, I reckon. Mm. Yeah, um, oh definitely. <laughs> if I was being an editor, I would want Donnie Cates as a writer. Your boy Donnie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think Donnie Cates would do some great work with like kind of like uh with Swamp Thing. With the whole kind of like horror edge and everything else.
2: See, if we're going to go down like the editor picking route, I would want Tom King and Mitch Gerrard's to do something set in the Leftovers universe, because I think the style from say something like the Vision books and Mr. Miracle really suits that like, like holistic pathos lingering internal dread thing that you get
0: from that TV show. I'd, want, I'd love to see that. I mean, like fantasy stuff now, I'd I'd want Tom <laughs> King and Mitch Gerrard's to do Jean Grey and Cyclops.
1: That's interesting. That would be cool. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. Like their relationship. I thought I think they would they would be able to do a really good story there. But mm. yeah. That's a really good pick. That's a good yeah. shout. But yeah. Um so I hope that's answered your question, Ask you. Uh, <laughs> I hope I hope we've we've satisfied you there with that. <laughs> um and I think that brings us to the end of the show. Uh, all that's left is the pull list, which I will rattle through fairly quickly. So um I'll start with my picks for the 5th of June, which is when this episode is available. And we've got Deceased number two. Um, I didn't talk about the first one yet. I'll probably get around to it after the second one's dropped. Uh, But it's a really cool um, mini horror story within the DC universe. It's kind of like DC zombies, except it has kind of like this technological twist. And um, it is something that is born on apocalypse and uh it's got dark side at the beginning of it um and yeah it's it's a it's it's quite cool actually as you know as like a an apocalypse in the dc universe which i think is what it's probably going to wind up being after reading issue one it's really cool i quite enjoy it um there's also batman teenage mutant ninja turtles three on the shelves now so this is like the third installment of the batman tmnt crossovers and we're into issue two of that which is out um yeah same date <laughs> the sixth of course it is that's what i'm talking about um ray what have you got for the fifth of june yeah so i've only got
2: picks for the fifth of june um. yeah but top of the list is paper girls number 29 which is the penultimate issue of the entire story so the story will be ending with issue number 30 so getting ready to, to to read the the ending of that uh, long-running arc. Um, got Giant Days number 51. I've got Ronin Island number 4, which I was surprised to find is not the finale of that arc. Um, I think there's going to be six issues, actually, in total. Um, I could be wrong about that as well, but we'll find out in the future. And then Die volume number 1, which collects
0: issues numbers 1 to 5, and that's called Fantasy Heartbreaker, is also out on the 5th. Nice. Um. For me, then, on to the 12th of the 6th, which is like the following Wednesday, Um, I have uh, Batman and the Outsiders number two. Uh, Batman and the Outsiders came back. I was very excited about it. I enjoyed issue one. It was nice to see the Outsiders back. Did I talk about this last episode, Leon? I can't remember. I think I did. Uh,
1: The Outsiders? Mm.
0: Mm, Not to my memory. I think I might have mentioned it. I feel like awesome. I mentioned it. I feel like I've talked about this to someone. <laughs> but I think may- maybe I have. Maybe I've just been sitting on my roof shouting it or something. I don't know. But <laughs> Batman-, Batman and the Outsiders is back, everyone. It's back. And it's great. Uh, so number two's out um, on the 12th. Uh, Archie 705, which caught my eye purely because um, it is Archie and Sabrina. Um together as a couple and this is like Archie and Sabrina number one it's like Archie Comics 705 but it's Archie and Sabrina number one
1: why is she slamming it with him
0: (laughs) I don't know she's too good for him man like what is it about what is it about Archie like he's hopeless like how does he do it (laughs) (laughs) how how has he got so much game for such a hopeless guy I mean come on it's Archie's stupid 60 years of the same narrative that's what
2: it is. just established prose
0: <laughs> i don't know but anyway archie and sabrina are together a new era begins as the enchanting romance between archie and sabrina intensifies but what does that mean for everyone else in archie's life well buy archie 705 and find out i think i might have to read that uh, <laughs> there's also silver surfer black number one Um, which is something I've been looking very forward to. Uh, This is Donny Cates writing it. Trad Moore is the artist, and it looks gorgeous. Um, Spinning out of Guardians of the Galaxy number one, almost the entire galaxy's defenders have been blown through a black hole, including the Silver Surfer, but the story doesn't end there. In order to fight back the Oblivion, Surfer will have to fight to save his own soul and not lose himself to the Void. Follow the Sentinel of the Spaceways on a journey that will change him forever. And I think this leads up to the Silver Surfer being shiny and black in uh, the um, the recent Thanos Winds thing that Bonnie Cates did. Mm. Um, yeah, because the Silver Surfer turns up at the like at the end of the universe, and he's all shiny and black, like a brand new Escalade with a with Thor's hammer. So <laughs> there we go. But yeah, um, I'm looking forward to that. Um, so, yeah, instead of silver. Um, I just, yeah, I'm I'm into that. I'm all for that. Uh, another one that I noticed was Jughead's Time Police, which releases on June the 12th. Uh, and this is a brand new series, and it's when Jughead messes up his Riverdale annual bake-off pie recipe so terribly he is disqualified and banned from all future bake-offs. Jug goes to unthinkable lengths to fix his error. Time travel. <laughs> even riverdale's most erudite teenager can't manage the delicate dance of going back in time and poor juggy lands himself in an epic battle to keep the time stream intact
2: that sounds amazing
0: yeah so he goes back in time to fix a pie and makes a bigger mess i'm I'm seeing i think mm-hmm. so i'm i'm down for jughead's time please please save me an issue with that um and that's it that's my pull list uh and that is that wraps us up so that has been ace comicals episode 63 thank you for listening um you can find us at www.acecomicals.com where you can find links to everything everywhere we have uh we are on apple podcast we are on castro overcast Cast, spotify stitch and tune in you can listen to us pretty much anywhere um You can find us on Facebook under Ace Comicals. You can find us on Twitter at Ace Comicals. We are on Instagram under Ace Comicals. Um, You can send us an email to acecomicals at gmail.com. Ray, where can we find you?
2: On Twitter at Monke. That's at
0: M-O-O-N-K-E-H. And Leon, where can we find you?
1: You can find me on Twitter
0: at Leon Everett. And you can find me on Twitter under at Bato. That's B A T T O U. So if you want to send us a question, if you want to get involved in the conversation, at us, DM us, send us emails, uh, and uh, we will reply. Or if you have a question for us that you want us to answer on the show, give us a scenario like Ask You just did, anything like that, and we will try our very best to answer it. Um, also, if you so wish, you can donate to us uh, via our coffee website. So. Um, if you like what we do, uh, consider sending us the price of a coffee and, uh, that will help keep us afloat. Keep the website up on the internet. Keep the lights on at Ace Comicals. Um, so that has been Ace Comicals. Thanks for listening to Ace Comicals. Over and out.